welcome to the HBM episode. I am the offspring of nine mothers. Of nine sisters, I am the son. And I am joined by Frank. Hello, Leon. I am... I am cursed with multiplying endlessly until I am forged into a spear. I have to rare trout near Frank. That's... I didn't know that was the option. I thought you could just make a either have a ring or a spear, but it's nice to know that you can also have a drop near Frank. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting form, and it helps me do all the billion things I do all at once. So you know, ah. but can you beat Heimdall? Hmm. Well, I've been working out some more lately, so I'll get there. Okay. So. Uh... <laughs> It's not going to be a surprise now, I think. Well, we're going to, we are talking about the game God of War, released in 2022, November the 6th, the 9th, 9th, 6th, 6th, 9th. Professional podcast, everybody, shut up. Um, it's, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, anyway, we're talking about that game. Uh, we God have of War been planning. Ragnarok. God of War Ragnarok, yes. Or we have been planning to do an episode on God of War 2018. Yeah. <laughs> and then we started a podcast and then we talked about a bunch of other things that were not God of War 2018. And then <laughs> and now this, this game has out. come out <laughs> <laughs> like for a while now and yeah. And so we were like I don't know if we should do a separate episode of God of War 2018. Instead, we're going to very hedonistically just combine two episodes <laughs> as in but we're mainly going to focus on God of War Ragnarok because I think Yeah. Well, once again, it's it's new and I think everything that has been said that is of interest of God of War 2018 has already been said. I can yeah. honestly recommend the ACAP episode on it. It's amazing as oh, always. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Are you going to talk about ACAP? Yeah, yes, yes, we are. Deal with it. Yes. Uh, there are several things which will always show up in this podcast fairly consistently. ACAP yes. and Horror Vanguard are the one of the main two. Yes, they are like, uh, yeah, this dichotomy of uh, referential. Uh, Oh, this episode is also good ask implementations. But um, yeah, no, this <laughs> deservingly, I would say. But yeah, so that's that's what the episode gonna be about. Um we're just gonna probably go right into it because once again, yeah. two games, even though mainly gonna focus on the latter one. Yeah, I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna do a quick recap of twenty eighteen and a slightly longer one of twenty twenty two. Yeah, if you let's just get into that one if if that's alright with you, Frank. Of course. So uh, the the general plot of this new God of War series uh, this in 2018 is that Kratos, after annihilating the entirety of the Greek pantheon, uh, fucked off to uh, Norse country, really. Yes, uh, the Nordic unspecific region. <laughs> yeah. So you know, unspecific Nord- Nordic countries or regions, and uh, you know, he got married again. He settled down, had a kid, and then as she died, she asked him to do something, which was kind of prophecy, but l- led Kratos and his son Atreus in big adventures, spanning the realms. Uh, we're talking about the nine realms, not all of them in that game, uh, more in this one, but, you know, spanning all of the different realms and, you know, going on adventures, meeting different people and, and mythological figures. And setting off Ragnarok, because why don't you? Uh, via the death of Baldur, via mistletoe. Uh, lo- love Nordic myth. Uh, and yes. yeah, and that triggers the beginning of the end of Ragnarok. It, it triggers Fimbulfetr, 
which is, of course, emphasized as Pimple Winter. <laughs> and um, I'm going to do that a lot. I'm so sorry if anyone finds that annoying. <laughs> deal with it. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, come on. Not everything has to be English. And um, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's, it, that's where uh, this game picks off. Fimble Winter in the Norse mythology is like the, the prelude to Ragnarok. So it's, uh, and the, the game is titled Ragnarok. So I guess this game <laughs> is going to, uh, as a hunch, I have a, I have a hunch that this game is going to include some conflict. But that's, that's, that's yeah, that's, it's going to be a little warring going on. Yeah. So Fimble Winter uh, is, is going on, uh, which effectively means. <laughs> Uh, the effects are similar to climate change, so everything's getting worse in their equivalent regions. So, you know, hotter, swampy region, even hotter swamps get worse in, uh, you know, Midgard, Earth, uh, really, really bad winter, um, other places, you know, more earthquakes and stuff, so it's all going quite bad. And... I will say Midgard got the worst of it. Yeah, probably more immediately so. Yeah, <laughs> it's the other ones are just gradual and like you cannot tell me that Fennheim, for instance, was not already like kind of like that. So you know. Well, what about the crater, Leon? Okay, well that's the crater was already there. That's also we true. know this. The crater so. is artificial. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll we're going to talk about the crater briefly at some point because it's just <sighs> so frustrating as game design. But anyway. Um, the point is, Ragnarok is probably coming. A Fimble Winter is upon us uh, over the, across the Nine Realms. And, you know, Odin has set his sights on Kratos and Atreus, which means nowhere is safe because Odin is a master schemer, manipulator, the greatest spy master of all time, and a big threat. So, uh, there isn't much course of action. Uh, Atreus is trying to do something which is following prophecy. And trying to find some way to do to prepare for war, despite Kratos really not wanting to go to war, because he's he's seen a lot of war, um, and you know he suffered the effects of that. But war's kind of coming, so set up alliances, set up allies to eventually take down Odin, big Odin, and uh, all else to boot. So you know spoilers abound because there are going to be a lot of spoilers and a pretty major one. Um, very soon, yeah. but yeah, spoilers. And, you know, they they do, and eventually they do kill Odin, and they, they suffer quite a lot of loss. There's some weird loss going on and weird character development. But generally speaking, yeah, it all ends mostly well. There's some loss, and that's about it. <laughs> um, good, good father and son bonding, uh, learning to live with one another, and dealing with prophecy going on about them maybe well we will we'll talk about that but generally speaking <laughs> kratos and atreus learn to mostly respect one another and understand one another's choices and try to support one another a little better and yeah. trust the the way i would describe it is that the 2018 game gave us a setting that kratos decides that he wants to be a dad and Atreus decides that he wants to be Kratos' son. And the second game, Ragnarok, then kind of, uh, especially the first and I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> like throughout, woven throughout the entirety of Ragnarok is then 
uh, the manifestation of what does this look like? And how yeah. is this going to look like? Because yeah. deciding to do that is only the first step in a long series of steps. And yeah, I do think that's that's uh, very... <laughs> a, a lot of fiction, and especially video game fiction, I would say, but certainly not exclusive to just video games, um, portrays this or has this idea central to character interaction that it is just a simple choice away. And <laughs> this game at least understands that it is not one simple choice. It is the choice that indeed does come first and is the first chain in the chain reaction of betterment. And oh boy, does this game have a bunch of, th bunch of things to say about self-improvement oh, yeah. and choosing to be better. Yeah, um, and yeah. acting better. Which uh, again, yeah. it, it's it's a difficult part. Like they choose to be better and they want to and try to be better, but the actual actions, the trying, is the hardest yeah. part and takes the longest for everyone involved. Which uh, you know, that's how it happens. Little secret for everyone. That's how it happens. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It is also it's also very difficult because we can argue and we can like talk about that it is important and why it is important to choose to be better however what does this better look like that is so intensely person bound and you know and then once again that is then multiplied in difficulty because this person bound perspective and this person bound plan so to speak like plan as in steps to take um is then complicated and well complicated sounds like a cute story maybe but is then made more difficult and more or more interesting, however you want to approach it, by having this relationship to other people who they themselves have, of course, very complex and person-bound uh, perspectives and needs and wants and so forth and so on. Yeah. And this game doesn't... Mm, at least between Artreus and, and Kratos, this game doesn't shy away from delving into that complexity. And, and Freya course, and her brother, I think. Um, sure. I do think they may they they take a bit of a background. Yeah, well, not so as much secondary characters, I mean. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Unlike the other secondary there. character we're going to talk about, I think Freya is then treated. Her complexity is treated more, in in a way, more complex and significant way than than Freya. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's gonna gonna mispronounce those names a couple of times but it's not a hero there um or uh i think Freya, we should spend more time with him um, yeah i would have liked that yeah it's i'm gonna say that a couple of times about different characters throughout this episode up here <laughs> but that's not a hero there um yeah i mean i mean think i think something that's going to come up fairly frequently as we talk about this is that we like the game a lot and we think it's excellent but there are a oh, lot yeah. of different things that the more you think about it, they don't feel, they don't gel that well. They don't connect as much, or they could connect better. And and, and you know, story and uh, mechanics. They are not coming together true, as Brock would say. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what he says when he. Oh, never mind. Uh, we will get to that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but yeah. Oh boy. It's um. Yeah. No. I. I do. I do want to just add my voice to what Frank said. We. I. Think. This game is good, capital G, good. I think there are a couple of things that prevent it from being great. Mm -hmm. 
or maybe it's great and I can there's a couple of things to prevent me from thinking it's amazing or whatever. Once again, these are just words and not necessarily a, a, a soundproof um, or a sound way of like scaling or like judging. Uh, I don't have a matrix. I don't have <laughs> a Rubik to like analyze uh, quality of games and I don't necessarily believe in one. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'll put aside uh, maybe for another episode. But I, uh, once again, <laughs> we're not going to give it like, you know, we're not going to rate this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we've already made it clear how we effectively stand by Elden Ring having won Game of the Year. Uh, but besides that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's just, I do want to say uh, one more thing, like, just as a, as a disclaimer. I would have loved to replay this game. Yeah. I It's a big game. I don't have time for it. And even if I could make time for it, I would have replayed this game, and I would have made time for it if there was a New Game Plus mode. This New Game Plus mode, reportedly, is going to come this summer. Yeah, in so, June or July. <laughs> yeah, so, and I understand that designing a New Game Plus mode is difficult sometimes, yeah. because this the way you navigate through the world, and this can be maybe a nice jumping-off point to get into more of the mechanical mm-hmm. uh, discussion that we have planned. Uh, we're going to start off with a mechanical discussion, and then we're going to like dive more into the more uh, psychological and philosophical elements of this game, if that's okay. Of course. And... Um, but yeah, you, you you navigate this world through certain tools that you have. It is uh, one of the blood and bones aspect of video game design. You you get certain tools, and this allows you to like maneuver through the world. Uh, games as like the, the the Zelda series, for instance, are great at this, or like have pioneered this type of thinking or this type of design. I think. Yeah. It is, um, or I don't know. I guess. Pokemon as well, if you want to talk about that. I mean, like, Metroid. A Metroid. Like, yeah. It's, think of a non-Nintendo game to complete the list. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. So, yeah, I guess. Anyway, long story short. It, I can see the way that you need certain tools to move to certain areas to, of the game. Mm-hmm. And certain of these areas are story-bound. And it's, to make a game, new game plus out of that is not easy. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's. Uh, I can understand the challenge that that will take to you, uh, this summer. I understand that it is just too bad because I'm not going to go <laughs> through this game uh, level one again. So that's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think going off on on the mechanical point, like I think it's like, uh, I'm sorry that that was very incoherent of me speaking that like like that, but that's fine. I got it. More, more work for your editing. But the point is that <laughs> the story generally gels quite well and it works. But at one point, mechanical-wise, at least, there are things that... I'm not, I don't think they take me out of it, but they're, they're a bit of a bother. And it's like, okay, I want to do this, yes. but I need to do this. So, you know, I, I want to progress. I want to take on that boss or whatever or do that challenge, something like that. But I need to upgrade my gear. Which doesn't necessarily... I think that's the thing. Like, It's not that the resources are scarce. They're not. And as you level, they, they become present. But you need to kind of decide what stats you're going to go for, what you're going to take, the skills and stuff. And that, it drags on. Like, I... That, that is... All those are elements from God of War 2018. I'll say that they're not new to this one, but this one it really did felt like it was a bit grating. 
and I am not sure if it's I, I haven't played that the other one in a while I'd have to replay it for comparison I'm not entirely sure but it just felt like in that game it's like okay it's a little thing but you know you upgrade a bit and, and that's it uh, in this one it's yeah. like you have so many choices and different things and it's like <sighs> well the big change is that you have two player characters now <laughs> and a third companion so yeah. there are already like so first off, the Kratos focus, or sorry, the Kratos. Um, how do we call this? The Kratos talent tree. The, like the, the, the well, I don't mind the talent stuff. tree. Uh, well, just as an example of like, yeah. like you know, more customizability. Yeah. It is. Um, you have the gear for Kratos, and you have like his talent tree, and in his talent tree is already bigger on like Kratos' own talent tree is already bigger than that of 2018. Oh, I think. Might be. And well, yeah, you have you have third weapon. And well, um, well so that alone, the three different t- talent trees. <laughs> yeah, well, just, just in all in all, I think Kratos' talent tree is so much larger, and I don't necessarily know if that's true, but I do think so. Mm-hmm. And and uh, then you have Atreus' talent tree nowadays, and then you have now you have also Freya's talent tree, which is a companion that joins you um, after she decides that uh, she doesn't really be hysterical anymore. Um, I don't like calling women hysterical, but that's how the game portrays her. I guess I don't know if that's mm. something we want to get into necessarily. Mm. But, uh, she does abandon that his hysteristy quite a. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. Um, okay, yeah. At yeah. least we are in agreement. I don't want to be flippant about it. That's what. I'm no, to no, I, I, um, you have a point. It is once again. There's a long history of of like. Making women hysterical, especially after loss. Dot JPEG. Yeah. Um. It is. I don't know. It's. It's. Once again. Um. She is in good company, regarding that, <laughs> with Kratos and like a bunch of other people, losing their shit. So um. She. <laughs> she's just one of many, which does help. I would true, say. True. True. Um. It does soften the blow a little bit. It is just then how, she, lets go of it all. Once again, I kind of want to get into this later after we talk about the mechanical parts mm-hmm. some more. But I do, I am kind of concerned with how she is just, uh, just like, oh, I'm going to rain down every agony upon you, which is, oh, great speech at the end of 2018. Uh, the game, I mean, um, it's, <laughs> she is so captivating. And you're like, ah, ah, fuck, ah, shit. And then all of the agony apparently is just like attacking your sled once and then like bomb rushing you outside of your house once well sending some goons and... after you as well does she wait what when does she do that she yeah. convinces the the hunters people to to attack you convinces that thimble winter is your fault which technically she's oh. right well yeah <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> but that, that was like minor like you know a couple of hunters are not gonna like yeah, they're not even a challenge for her for Atreus, let, let alone Kratos. But, uh, yeah, I know. So, how do we... So, it has a lot of more customization stuff. Yeah. And you feel that's, that's a bit grading, that's a bit... Uh... I feel like it's... There are too many options for doing the same thing. And yes, I think uh, that's a good way of putting that, actually. Yeah, and like that's, that's something that happens to so many games. <laughs> so many games. Um, cause you know, it's the impression like more, 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 but sometimes you don't need more and yeah, 
because like it, it needs to feel unique in a sense. And I do not feel that way about the talent tree uh, uh, for comparison's sake. But I did yeah. feel that way about so much of the gear and the upgrades and stuff. I, I think this game offers a lot more of those to you and it drags them on longer. It's like, I think in the previous game, it all went up to six. This one gear goes to like, I don't know, eight or nine. More, I think. Twelve? Special. Yeah, I, th- I think like, you know, like it's a nine already if you just look at the generated armors given to you by the dwarves mm-hmm. and then there is also like the crater armor the the, the one made from tree sap or whatever <laughs> uh, then there's the dragon armor made from dragon skills then there's the uh you have the odin raven's armor uh, yeah that you get by going to that one dimension i forgot his name niflheim mm, is it niflheim i think so it's not helheim and it's not elfheim it's niflheim yeah so I... Uh, there's a raven armor and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah in, in, in Niflheim and there's there's a bunch of them so yeah it's, uh... yeah I I there's I think it's exponentially much more than the previous game and a lot more quickly like it really does give you quite a lot of armors from the start and then it gives you more and more and it's like I don't, I don't need I, I use like two or three for the entire game. Because it's like, I'm fine with the, just upgrading this one till the end. Thank you. Um, so, in, in that, and then there's a lot of the, st- the stat management is a lot more in depth in this game, uh, unfortunately, I think. Because you have the, at a fairly advanced point in the game, you get a talisman that allows you to slot in different enchantments. And, I hate the, oh, sorry. And and in them you you add a different stuff and you have nine but you don't unlock nine you unlock all those nine you start with one and then you go unlocking each one and then you get pairs of three of different ones and the three make a set which give you a bonus but there's more than three for the, for most of them so it's just a lot. Okay, so there's a personal element to it. I don't like this type of gameplay. I don't like this type of upgrade. There's the boring stat upgrades, you know. I think that's lazy. I think I'm st- that has a place that I can tolerate within RPGs. Within action adventure games, I think that's just a bad yeah, call exactly. all around. Exactly. I think it doesn't suit the game. It's not that it, the mechanic doesn't work. Yes, and I do think... That, but ultimately, this is personal assessment. There is a more uh, physical... or not physical. How do we say this? A more in-game, a more objective argument to be made that this doesn't work. Namely... Um, <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people have been breaking the game <laughs> through this this very specific thing. Um, so it turns out, like you have the nine realms and you have nine sockets. And if you put a socket, uh, um, if you put a upgrade into the socket from each realm, it has a hidden stat bonus. Like the it's called the the uh, the blessing of the nine realms or something. Mm. I'm not quite sure. And this has been used to defeat the most difficult boss on the highest difficulty under nine seconds. Um, so it is just a mechanic that is not well designed from an objective standpoint. It <laughs> no. is not done well, I think. Once again, I don't feel that strongly about it. One, I was not that into it, into like min maxing my Kratos, so to speak. I think yeah. that's, I think based on everything that's going on in the game, keeping that thing, keeping that mindset close to my mind would be, would take me out of it personally. Yeah, but I'm a very emotional person, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. I'm certainly not speaking for everybody here, but for <laughs> me personally, 
I was never going to be that interested in it. Yeah, I think like the game has so many, so much better, so much more going on than what lies in those touch screens. Yes, and I don't know. It, it's maybe it's just me being limited, or whatever. But I feel <laughs> like the the constant questions this game asks you to think about about like parenthood, about revenge, about a whole bunch of things. And then it's like, oh man, that is sure is very captivating. I kind of want to think that while I explore this beautiful world. And it's like, but hey, here's a new socket you can upgrade. It's like, ah, fuck, I don't, I don't care. I don't. It's, it's like, it's oh, just, there's this story and there's the, like the questions of prophecy and psychological consequence. And yes. here goes this Diablo style development yes. screen. <laughs> that and it's just, I don't know. Um, okay, so disclaimer. I am a very neurotic uh, gamer in the sense that I'm always afraid of missing out on something <laughs> and I'm always afraid I'm not doing the thing right. I um, I love FromSoft games, but they do instill within me a certain kind of anxiety, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word for it. But what I'm trying to get at is that because of the popularity of those games, and I see some of that in the God of War series, of course, um, with even like the 2018 edition with the mm-hmm. Valkyrie bosses that are clearly I don't think if FromSoft would not be as successful as they are today those Valkyrie bosses would not be a thing then again based on how the earlier the Greek era so to speak of God of War games functions they had difficult bosses they were made in a, with a very different mindset and because gaming was at a totally different point yeah in that point in time, the game was just fundamentally different, I think. And our imagination on how to do boss fights has just tremendously changed with, like, the main influencer of that is obviously FromSoft, I think. Uh, there are some other influences as well, but, you know, mainly FromSoft, I would argue. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, <laughs> has been the dominant voice in that uh, in that realm, so to speak. And uh, I do think that, the once again, the, Fal- the Valkyries are back, question mark, sort of, question mark. Um. So, I, once again, I'm because of the uh, of my my experience. Once again, I cannot express enough how personal and me this is. But I just want everyone to understand that's where I'm coming from. That this uh, that I'm like ah, you clearly are inspired by FromSoft, but I don't think you have the uh, talent to back it up because once again, the whole game of FromSoft is like built around the facilitation of combat. And how how to make that work, and how to make that interesting. There's more to those games. Don't get me wrong, but its design philosophy is so strong and so diligent that you know it has is built to support that kind of um, confrontation, that kind of combat. I think, and to just toss that in there into your own game while you're trying to do different things at the same time is ooh um, hmm, a choice. I don't necessarily think that works out, and I don't think it works out in this game. The game has some very, I guess the most jarring element of this game is the boss fights, I think, personally. I do like the story mode, uh, sorry, the main campaign or whatever, you, story stuff. I don't, I don't know what to call it, but the story bosses, as we're going to call it, right, uh, are fine, I think. Are good. Yeah, no, I think those are well designed, very good, very consistent, they're quite distinct. Know, well... <laughs> Sorry, go on. They're consistently interesting and at least fun yeah. to play through. Yes, I do agree. 
it is mainly indeed the optional bosses that became very jarring for me. Yeah. The Berserker bosses were just not interesting. N- not even all. The, the dreaded, I can create distance whenever the fuck I want move is. Sh- okay, let me not get. <laughs> no, let me not lose. As grown ass man, let me not lose my shit over a video game. But, uh, oh. It, I, it wasn't even like, oh, it's unfair or whatever. It's like, this is just boring, actually. Like, okay, there you go. You can create distance again by moving back or whatever. And they all do the same backward jump. They all do that exact same movement. That's just not good. And it's sad that, that I understand that it is difficult. I understand that it is to ask a lot to, like, create different animations that essentially achieve the same thing but feel different. Yeah. That's that's a big ask, but you have to understand that you are partaking within a tradition that other people or other products are also partaking in, and those other products do it just amazingly well. So <laughs> that's that's a rough that's rough, buddy. I don't know what to tell you, um, but yeah, you you do partake in that ecosystem. Those are the consequences of it. Like you get to be inspired by them, but you also have to like have to understand that there's going to be a chunk of your uh, gamer base or whatever you're going to call it, like consumer base. I don't know. Um, a chunk of the people that buy your game are also going to have played those games. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's difficult. Once again, I don't blame them for doing this, but personally, I, I that was really jarring for me. <laughs> no, I agree. And, and something I, I was quickly trying to find out some more about it because I, I felt while playing the game is that in a lot of the optional bosses... It seems they have like a hidden damage resistance buff at certain points. Yes. Sorry. Yes, I do think so as well. Again, it's like this is an RPG like mechanic. um, Yeah. And not an action adventure mechanic. Like, if I'm hitting the enemy really hard, I should be continuously hitting the enemy really hard. And if it's not, it doesn't need to cheat like that. It doesn't need to do magic gone attack like that or like keep running away and again i think it's telling because like one of the from software games especially like bloodborne onwards really ask you to close that distance and get close to attack and really play that idea a lot and that's why one of my least favorite bosses is one that like you need to get close but also it really does a huge amount of area of attack effect uh if you get close so Ah. Um, so the point I'm trying to make is that the combat is kind of the key about this game mechanically speaking like sure there's some other stuff there's some exploration some puzzling whatever the combat is the main focus of this game and it holds up it's quite good it's quite interesting in the story elements in the side content in these extra bosses and stuff it doesn't see, feel or hit the same way. The bosses, the Berserker bosses, which are the Valkyrie equivalent, they're story-wise okay-ishly interesting, but they're, they're not that fun to fight. Um, and no. it seems like their, um, their, their, their damage resistance is so, so high uh, that's just like the boss fights take so long and they're not that interesting or entertaining. Because um, it's kind of the yeah, same thing. The... They've, they've got very similar attacks that are like, okay, 
okay, this again, this again, this again. Oh, stun attack. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, even the quests surrounding them, like this just very deadpan story of Mimir, uh, like talking about them, is not that interesting, I think. Yeah, um, and it's told slowly after you've done them, so yeah. you don't know much before. Uh, I keep also forgetting what it was about when it's like, oh yeah, right, that one king there, yeah, okay, sure. Um, why not? <laughs> and uh, I think that that doesn't help in the fact that it's like, yeah, there's all that, and there's the final boss of that, but there's also a, another Valkyrie queen, because of course. Uh, and I'll, I'll draw attention <laughs> to two different things. There is a Valkyrie fight in the story, and I think that is perfect. I really think that yeah. is really well designed, really fun, and really a really good callback. The boss yes. fight at the end, after post game is not, I don't think, because one one of the great things about the previous one is that it, like this one is equally as hard, if not harder, but you don't have the build up in the previous game where it's like you fought these individual side bosses and they all had different attacks, and the final one has the strongest attacks of the previous ones that you fought. So it's like yeah, you are prepared for this. This one is like no, here we go. And uh, here's a confusing attack. It's like, oh, you know this symbol, that, which is significant that you do this attack the whole game? Uh, okay, so now, no, now now you need to do something else. Um, yeah. Which, and if you don't, you take a stupid amount of damage. Yep. I was, um, as I was Googling to find out more, and I, oh, I forgot to do this, and I, I will do this at some point, but about that hidden damage resistance thing. So it's like, if you do a lot of damage, like, oh, now the boss becomes resistance and takes basically no damage, and you need to wait. Um, why? Because unless you have the special thing Leon mentioned, which allows you to kill the boss in nine seconds. Um, yeah. But you... Uh, some, some, seeing something, it's like as I was Googling about that, that's like, one of the things that is really significant about this game is that the positioning doesn't really matter because the attacks, tra the enemy attacks track stupidly. Like, they won't yes. hit you unless you dodge or block. It doesn't matter if you're far away, if you're close, and the projectiles are even worse. So, it, it really goes into, like, the mechanical things. Like, oh, in order to react, you need to do this and this. And in a very, I think, immediate sense. So, it's like, oh, X attack requires X reaction. And not like, oh, but the other variables, like, in a from software game, where it's like, the positioning, if there are enemies in front, or if you just run away from the attack. Like, no, it doesn't matter in this game. It really doesn't. Like, each attack has a specific response. And some are obvious as the attacks are coming. Others are not. And others have such a quick response frame that unless you're really good at these games, it doesn't feel fair or nice. Um, not to mention the... This one, I, there, there's a very big new mechanic with the shielding. Because in the previous one, you had the shield and you could do a, like a parry thing if you block at just the right time. Fair enough. In this one, and you know, you had unblockable attacks. Okay, this one has a middle ground. You have unblockable attacks. Perfect. That's fine. You need to dodge. You have attacks which you, you can parry. Or, or if you have a, 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 or if you, unless you have a specific shield or another shield, you can do like a temporary block and uh, it kind of breaks your guard and leaves you vulnerable to attacks, which um, not a very interesting mechanic. <laughs> I really don't like that one uh, because some attacks are really fast 
and even if you have so you need to be really good at the pairing or you need to have the special shield and the special shield it takes like three or four attacks and then you need to do a special area attack in order to clear it otherwise the next the next attack will break your guard so you there's really no easy way out of this <laughs> yeah and i don't think it's that entertaining i, I feel like it place a lot of focus on certain things which like are not that interesting like i don't mind the the blue ring ones which you need to do a, a special attack with the shield that's fine but the fact that you need to mind how you block and or parry that much and there are enemies which will do the unblockable attacks and this attack pretty much 90 uh-huh. percent of their moves and th- that's not fun that that ceases yeah. to be fun for me I would um I would sum it up as in that I got the feeling that they wanted that difficulty uh that that that's accelerating difficulty ga- uh, gap that FromSoft games managed to very diligently craft and weave throughout their game. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do that, but they didn't want to do the and once again, I'm the way I'm gonna say this is it's gonna make it sound that they are lazy, they are not. It's just they wanted to have have their cake and eat it too, kind of sorta, as in they wanted that they wanted that difficulty gap that you know FromSoft games are managed to give their players, mm-hmm. and but they didn't want to like design the whole game around that, so they took refuge in artificial buffs and spikes and color coded attacks, so to speak, and. Um, I am of the opinion that if you have to color code your attack, the the the, the enemy glows blue if you have to use your shield. Um, instead of telegraphing it physically, you have to telegraph it with a direct color. Like you you you, it's like waving a flag. It's the blue flag now, the red flag, and the yellow flag. It's like okay, I don't know, dude. That's not <laughs> necessarily, I think, good game design. It's not atrocious, not bad. Once again, still good, good game. Um, I mean, it is just... I think the point is, and the balance is wrong there, because most attacks do not are not telegraphed, or they are telegraphed without an indicator. But the special ones, which are the worst, they are. So you need to be very wary of the enemies in order to block the attacks you can, and be wary of the attacks you need to do specific reactions to. So yeah, and... you have you both don't have indicators and have indicators. You need to choose. Other, why, either you have indicators for all attacks or you don't. Yeah, and I do think that this all adds up to them wanting to facilitate the gamer with this. With the, once again, with this FromSoft as difficulty spike. And mm-hmm. they're just not that successful in it because it's not easy. It's really difficult, which is why FromSoft isn't on such a pedestal. It is not easy to do what they do. And you can't just have this amazing, sprawling, beautiful role with this amazing psychological thriller in it that FromSoft lacks. And <laughs> once again, not lacks, as in because they don't attempt it, they try to do something different because their design philosophy is so fundamentally different. Yeah, And you cannot have all that and then kind of wing it, so to speak, on the FromSoft-type combat. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I don't know, that's just not how, like, you know... Pick pick the things you want to stick to and do those well, and, and that's fine. Once again, I think they still give a fair shake to the whole combat thing yeah. most of the time because once again, the story combat I think is captivating, is interesting, 
not everything has to be as difficult as FromSoft. Yeah. And understand they put it at least as optionality. Because once again, the, the bosses that we were talking about are all optional. But are they, though? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's uh, I don't know. Um, it's, it, that's, maybe we can do an episode on, like, the psychological distribution of content. But that's not a, you oh, know, yeah. uh, for now. Optional bosses especially. Yeah, right. Anyway, so, um, especially, like, Kanaw. Well, sorry, the, the new Valkyrie Queen, the, the boss that Frank was talking about. Yeah. It's whose name is Knoll, but a lot of people say Kine. It's it's Knoll. Anyway, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't. It's probably right in some Scandinavian language. It's she. Uh, once again, I did not have a good time with her either. I'm not going to talk about it because once again, we've already been talking too long about this. And Frank has already. I kind of said everything that I like to say. <laughs> I don't think she's programmed very well, but that's not here or there. And then there's this. Uh, no, anyway. So that's that's going to be my closing thought on that. Is that. It is, they probably, once again, with the delays and everything that was going on as well during the production cycle of this game, I don't think, uh, I do think this is where some corners were cut. And and it shows. And that's fine. Once again, I totally understand. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving anyone any shit. It, it, just, it just shows. Which is totally fine. Uh, there are games who had longer to produce and are significantly less good. So, I don't know. Yeah. Once again, love this game still. But yeah, that that, that is a thing that kind of... Uh, it's also unfortunate that Gnaw is like at at the very end of the game as well. Um, yeah. That um, that whole deal with like uh, that that is then a very sour bite to end the game and the game on for me, so to speak. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> it's a bit unfortunate, but that's not a hint there. Moving on to like just a thing that I don't think worked for me as well mechanically is the addition of different arrows for trades. I think they were fine in the first game, even though a bit unimaginative. Um, this whole thing of status effect arrows and it being used to get upgrades, like the chests that you have to unlock, the torches, the torch chest, the, like the little the thing that you have to lit. Yeah, that's the game. such an annoying fucking thing. These chests for the game, people who don't have played the game, uh, haven't played the game, sorry. Um, they Those chests are pretty crucial. Because they don't just give, like, loot. They give health and rage upgrades. Which are, like, rage is, like, you know, the special ability bar. Like, the, the bigger that bar, the longer or the more profitable your rage uh, powers is going to be. Once again, not interesting for people who have played the game. But health should be pretty self-explanatory. Um, health, pretty important. <laughs> so that's what you unlock through uh, lighting those torches. And those torches are hidden somewhere. And you have to, like, look. And, like, and they... Um, they are sometimes placed in places that I'm like, I don't feel really smart for discovering you. But uh, but once again, a big game, there's a lot of those chests. They can't all be winners. Totally fine. <laughs> Not a worried about it. Yeah. Frustrated at the time by doing playing the game? Yes. <laughs> but I get I get frustrated quite easily. Fair enough. So that's, that's not a hint out there. Um, but some of them you have to get through uh, shooting uh, certain status effects. Yeah, you have to clear the area around them or create paths to them. And that's finicky as all hell. And you have to ignite them um, a certain surface. And by linking those status arrows all the way from the surface that you can reach as Kratos, um, (laughs) you then like set up this chain reaction between arrow mark, arrow mark, arrow mark, torch and it's <laughs> that part of the game 
is just simply not designed well. I'm sorry. It is. <laughs> I have linked my arrows, places, spots, balls, or how, like this little spherical ball that is generated by those <laughs> by those spots. Yeah. Um, which are which perfectly. are big liars. Right. So that's my point. I've I have linked them perfectly fine, and. It is just and, and then and I then I like you. So the the fame the, the fire blades is a primordial fire, and I set off the first two, and then the third just goes into nothing. I don't know. It's it's a long story. It's not an interesting. I'm sorry, everyone, but it, that's just <laughs> bothered me to no end. And I think that that's just poorly designed. Once again, if they were just like anything else than health upgrades, I would not have bothered with them, and I would have been like, fine, it's fine. I'm not bothered by it. No, that's not true. I am bothered by it, but. The amount of bother <laughs> that I am by it is stomachable, and but since it's health, and, uh, hmm, I was uh, I was uh, throwing quite a hissy fit over. Them. And if you want to do side quests and stuff, you really need to get through a lot of those. Yep. So yeah, yep. it's it's painful. <laughs> it's not just for the collectibles; it's for getting around quite a bit of the side areas, and it's oh boy. You uh, do get a different mode of transport. You get a sleigh. You do. A sled? A sleigh? A sled? Or, uh, what is it? Uh, Thank sled? you. Um, <laughs> let's go with a sled, I guess. Um, you get a sled. You can slay and slay with. Get it? But never mind. Okay. Hey. Um, so, <laughs> and it's more of an open world, I would say. Um, the open world in the first game were just a couple of very beautiful hallways so to, so to speak <laughs> yeah. very um you know you move through like quite not linearly but a very straightforward path with like little nooks and uh you can sidestep a little bit but this is, this feels more like an open world especially midgard yeah yeah definitely Swartelheim as well at times mm-hmm. uh, which is the dwarven world for those who have forgotten yeah and how do you feel about the sleigh? Is that like, do you do we, do we like it? Do we love it? Do we <laughs> I'm hate fine it? with the sleigh. Uh, 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 there are a lot more areas, especially in Vanaheim, where you need to get on and off the boat, and there's a longer animation. And since you need to do that a lot, that dragged on quite quickly. Uh, yeah, the sleigh is quicker, so I'm fine with the sleigh <laughs> or the sled. I, I don't know. I do like the wolves. Yeah, they're cool, and the magical I... wolves in Alfheim as well. Uh yeah, the well, more like leopards. Equivalent wolves. Yeah, yes, functional wolf replacement. Indeed, that's it is, all. Uh, that's literally all they are. That's literally all they are. Is there anything else mechanical that you want to uh, talk about? Because once again, we kind of need to move what, on. I think what remains of mechanical will show up as we speak of the story. Okay. So, do we want to tackle it head on? That the psychological drama, God of War, Ragnarok. Um, sure. I think to open uh, the, the, this part of the uh, episode, I think that gaming, especially single player games, um, especially Sony single player games, but I don't want to make a specification just yet, <laughs> are are at an interesting place right now. I would say, mm. and there is. So let me let me preface this by something different, like a more medical textual um, thing. I want to get off my chest as well, and it's okay. the uh, struggle of 
how video games is perceived as a art form. Right. And I think there there are multiple views, there are multiple perspectives at play here. Of course there are. Overall, I do think that the dismissiveness shown by people who don't play video games towards video games has been has had an effect on game development and has had an effect on how what we want to see in video games. Mm-hmm. And I think that God of War, even though I have stuff to say about it, <laughs> is a step in the right direction. Right. I right. think we, we've talked about uh, Last of Us, and I do think that God of War, like I've said then, I believe, uh, I don't know if that was the end or episode or the year review episode. I'm so sorry. Mm, it listening. showed up somewhere, I'm sure. It showed up somewhere. Yeah. No, it showed up relatively recently. And I think I, I formulated it as that God of War is never at risk of forgetting that it's a video game. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, not at all, which is great. Yes, unlike The Last of Us, who wants to be a movie with video game elements in there. <laughs> Two, a little bit better than one, I would say, in that regard, mm, but still good. jarring at times. <laughs> um, once again, we can talk about that another time. Don't want to talk about Last of Us again. Um, so, but yes, to, just to contrast those two real quick. The, the thank God God of War like remembers it as a video game with very dramatical movie like like once again the only comparison that we have is maybe theater but mainly for most people movie mm-hmm. type uh, type of acting that is in here um, or at least the visual art so to speak and it <laughs> the way certain characters are written remind me a little bit of like golden era HBO dramas, like Sopranos, <laughs> The Wire, and G- G- uh, Game of Thrones and stuff like that. You know, right? Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I, I want to know what you mean by that. At least a bit more clearly. These I'm are sorry. all these are all series that rely on a tremendous amount of dramatism, mm-hmm. of um, personal interactions, visceral emotional connections between characters. These are all. These these series were praised because they had interest. They, the catalyst in so many plots uh, of the plot that goes on in those series is emotional connections. Is how people treat each other. Right. Is right. the emotional development is then praised often as logical, and and narratively satisfactory, mm. up to a point. And it's real. It has a realist element to it. It has. It is human and. I think some of that makes it into this game and has made it into the... has become this ungainly definition of a genre, almost. It is Mm. a certain type of writing, a certain type of acting, I would say. And it is not a genre. That's not the right word for it. But I do think... (laughs) I do think that it has... um, once again, it has a certain emotional gravity to it that can be found in those type of series, those type of movies, and therefore also um, in, in in God of War and Last of Us. It's this grittiness to it. And <laughs> I do think that, you know, there's this, this this mundaneity as well. And I think that is found, for instance, in this game, I think that's found in Odin, who... <laughs> who <laughs> Hmm, I don't know how far I can go in this, into this, but um, who in many ways is so mundane, right? 
it's like uh, the opening scene amazing acting as well <laughs> I, I i would have loved a more fantastical odin but that's my personal preference i will say i recognize the quality that they chose uh, to go with and i uh, i recognize the direction that they go with and yeah. the quality adherent to it the opening scene where odin visits uh atreus and kratos and mimir i uh, can't forget mimir oh, um, yeah, in, the, in their little hut amazing <laughs> the visual storytelling that perfect the um the game also is complemented by a previous by its predecessor by the 2018 god of war in an astounding way and what i mean by that is that odin and thor thor maybe a little bit more than odin but i would say both quite vehemently had a tremendous narrative presence they neither of them shows up yes. physically themselves yes. <laughs> but they had amazing narrative presence throughout the game mainly facilitated through the world in a visual element mainly uh, like if you look at the uh, thor statue getting ate by jormungandr mm-hmm. um it's it's like the hugo's mom and like breaks off the thor and it's like i will just be dis- uncomfortable with chunks of black marble in my gullets um as long as i don't have to look at this fucking idiot <laughs> i kind of like him um right it's and this game gives more depth to that action because, well, well, let's 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 leave off of that for now. So, so they both uh, like the stories of Mimir and like uh, the visual representation of encountering like this statue of Thor and like stuff like that. Is they grant the characters of Thor and Odin tremendous narrative presence, and I think that's done so well because we already know who we're dealing with the moment they show up. We already know exactly what they're going to be like. And we just don't know how far um, those characters are going to be what they're going to be. We know Odin is going to be a manipulative, controlling bastard. We don't know the gravity of it yet. Yeah. But we will. And <laughs> we will. once again, we know Thor is going to be a rambunctious powerhouse of a fighter. But we don't know yet how strong the guy is. And by God, do we find out. Right away. Because, once again, the game and the previous game has a secret ending. The secret ending is that you go back to the house, and then you have, like, uh, in 2018, the game ends with, like, Thor showing up. And, like, you un- he unfills Mjolnir, which means, oh, that's Thor, because Thor has that hammer. We have to get the <laughs> hammer in there. <sighs> um, Mjolnir doesn't have as much of a narrative presence, actually. but that's not Which is good, right. I um, think. Yeah, right. It's... Perf- it's, it's um, Christ, I don't want to talk about this, actually, but it's well maybe we can talk a little bit how much damage <laughs> the marvel movies have done to norse mythology yeah um I, I, with Mjolnir I, I having think... yeah a tremendous presence in those movies and Mjolnir here is just uh odin picks it up for like a second and through uh, uh, thor's daughter picks it up so it's like i don't know it's not that important it's just a strong weapon and thor is an interesting not fucking Mjolnir. And kudos to, to that decision. I like it. I love it. Compared to, once again, the Marvel movies, who make a whole deal out of the weapons yeah. and stuff. And in that regard, I really enjoyed the the slimy, uh, sneaky, manipulative Odin, who is like this, is the master schemer. And he's like, he's shifty, he's shady, and uh, he's the worst. And you, you'll feel it. Oh, yeah, you, you know he's the worst. And he continues to be so, and it's like, oh fucking hell, uh, yeah, yeah. He is very interesting. Um, 
Once again, I would have loved still a little bit more of a fantastical Odin, and not so much this. I don't know this more mobster esque Odin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> um, God, I, I'm. I don't. Um, there is this certain emotional manipulation to him that I. Uh, that I that I think is very interesting. This mundanity of, <laughs> of like death. And everything around him is uh, it. Th- there's a certain gravity to his character, and he is so vehemently present in every scene that he shows up in. And I think once again, the both 2018 game and this game continues that there is a tremendous amount of talent in the mocap, in the in the way that the people have acted in this game and in the way that it's brought to life in the video game itself. Yes. I think, once again, hats off. It, that's astoundingly impressive. It is... It, yeah. I, I do think... In, in a way, once again, this is what I meant with the whole um, critique of people uh, have of video games, that they are childish, they are not, you know, they're not serious or whatever. And I do think that this approach is an effective way to counteract that while still making a worthwhile video game. Whereas I think Last of Us is very obsessed with countering that narrative of, oh, video games are childish or whatever. Because once again, I'm not very interested in what non-gamers have to say about gaming. Um, yeah. Not saying they can't have valid <laughs> criticism, but uh, I'm more interested in what people who do play video games have to say about video games. Yeah, what? And what? I think... Go on. No, no, go on. I think the conceptualization of what we should do with video games should come from that mainly. Yeah. Um. And we shouldn't, game we should not change to fit outside criticisms, mostly. And especially not this dismissiveness of like, oh, it's childish or whatever. Like, okay, that's childish, fine. If that's your opinion. Once again, <laughs> I would love to hear them argue about it, like construct that argument a little bit better. Um, <laughs> if they played a video game, if they watched someone play a video game, if they, you know, like what game is childish to you then? What have you seen? What, have, what do you know? And, but that, that never really happens. Of course not. Why would it? <laughs> yeah, uh, once again, a certain gamer, <laughs> if you look at the uh, the image that arises when I say use the word gamer, it is not a pretty image, and those people are very childish, I will admit. I'm not saying that, once again, I'm not saying the argument is baseless in its entirety, but I think it's more of a gamer subculture thing than games themselves, but that's not a hero here. Mm. Once again, that, that can be a whole episode. We're not going to get into it right now, <laughs> I think. But yeah. I I think Odin is very interesting. Once again, I had prepared like a bunch of different specific examples and I would love to get into them. I just don't think we're going to have that kind of time. And on top of that, I, I can just wholeheartedly recommend playing this game. Oh playing yeah, God for of sure. War, just 18 and playing, even, even if you're not good at video games, you can just play it on easy mode and it'll probably be fine. Yeah, and it's got a, a great deal of accessibility options and yes. difficulty I, customization. I do want to um, praise this game for all its accessibility options. Yeah, a thousand like percent. For the, which is just astounding. It's amazing. Much fucking more efforts. than Elden Ring, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, like, so to give an example, they have, like, uh, the game, like, there's this, this very extensive... Uh, color blindness availability options yeah in the game um that's just i don't know there are so many things in there that i think is amazing and it did not get enough credit for because once again making things accessible to people who otherwise cannot access it is 
you know, I, I wholeheartedly support and, you know, I want to applaud this game for that as well. That's, you know, uh, more games should do that. I get that it's not easy to do, but I think more games should can take a, take, can take a note from this game on that, on that front. I think a good way to navigate this part that we have, we have now entered mm. would be to talk a bit more about the characters each. And their journeys. Yeah, I I was gonna suggest uh, as a as a segue point for that precisely is, um, well we were speaking about this psychological gra- gravitas and this density to it, and I I think like as a the point of connection, especially into Odin, how you know you have this massive political economical conflict, you have this control and domination from Asgard through to all the remaining realms and the the way out of that the way through it is via character psychological drama and yeah. how it is Kratos and Atreus's journey and you know the the friendships with the others and a tiny bit of strategy which uh, leads them to you know victory and Ragnarok and such um yeah yeah Asgard is essentially a colonizer oh yeah or I don't know. I'm not, maybe well, yeah. I do yeah, think they, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> definite colonizer elements to Asgard, and then it is also this military directorate at the same time. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it doesn't. So that's maybe the problem. Like I, the thing that I've said to Frank a couple times now that is that I wish I I do love the psychological drama that is that is here. It is just by making Odin the center point of all evil, we kind of remove agency from whole worlds in that regard. Yeah. And I get it. They're they're colonized and so forth and I you know, Odin holds them in a tar- in an iron grip. But I personally don't believe no matter how big the evil is, um, even if it's actual colonization, I don't believe in the total absence of personal uh, or of, of peoples, of whole peoples' agency. And I get that, that Odin is then meant as like, oh, look, he is really bad. Uh, don't you dislike him? And yeah, sure, I do. Um, <laughs> it's just, I don't think we should have done it in a way that removes agencies from entire peoples and entire worlds. It They do eventually stand up, sort of, kind of. So that's Sort of, kind of, maybe. But that is, is that because, you know, that is because Odin bad and because... They, they they go toot on a horn. Um, it, sorry. Um, in, in all seriousness, it is like, I just feel that, long story short, I feel that the game would have profited from just a little bit of a sociological, political lens instead of just the, the intense psychological drama that yeah, it is. Exactly. Because you can't do all of this psychological storytelling and use this real-world socio-political phenomenon like colonialism, like occupying foreign lands and like manipulating them into serving you without that lens. I feel that that's a bit difficult for me. I mean, they do take the easy way out in the sense that the the armies aren't armies. They're mindless zombies in both sides. Uh, One literally undead, the other literally... uh, Well, still undead. (laughs) Uh, soldiers. So you basically have officers and commanders and you do not have actual soldiers fighting. They're literally mindless zombies 
So that's a, a very easy way out. It's like, oh, this this is just cannon fodder. It doesn't matter uh, in terms I mean, of the war. The elves also show up. So True. <laughs> well, the, the game really delayed me to forget that. Um, <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, the the part that you're talking about. So just for the for the audience, real quick, we're talking about the final part of the game, which is Ragnarok. It is when those forces come to clash with Asgard. Yeah, and um, <laughs> Asgard like. So th- that part of the game is quite chaotic and goes by really fast. And it's deeply, deeply sad. Yeah, it's... Mm, okay, so yeah, <laughs> that the elves... And we don't see a lot of that is happening. We just are kind of told that it's happening. And I was like, hmm, okay, sure. Yeah, we see glimpses. Yes, Um. yeah. Okay. Then I would like to get into... So, having established that, I would, would like more sociological political lens. Even though I do understand, once again, good game, I like it. But I understand this, this selection for more psychological, uh, making that piece stage, stage front and center of the story. It, it's, it feels just a bit uncomfortable to, like, toot a little horn and all of a sudden a bunch of realms are, like, willing to fight alongside you. Once again, they understand that they want to fight Odin. But that doesn't automatically mean that they want to fight alongside Kratos. Yeah, that's a whole different thing, and that is, that assumption is a bit jarring for me emotionally. The alliance building was really quickly. It's like, oh, you yeah, have these it's like, people, well, you know, let's... and then it's like, okay, get to the armies. What? It is not even montage fast. No, it is. <laughs> it is just like uh, I don't want to say near instantaneously, but uh, it's uh, pretty much, yeah. pretty much, quickly enough. Well. They they touch upon it little by little by you visiting those worlds, but you don't do any of that really. Yeah, but not in a satisfactory way necessarily. I feel. I feel with all the side quests that this game has, there should have been more social. Once again, there could the the sociological lens could have been there, like in some of the side quests where you um, or political, I would say, where you talked about them about the situation and you know like get them ready for like just help them. And by helping them, they then themselves become ready to um, attack Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would have been cool. Uh, that's not there, though. It, it's, yeah. You make the world a slightly better place, but there is, n- there is no cohesive narrative connection to them showing up for Ragnarok then. And the, the, the place there where you spend a lot of time and the people that you help directly and talk to, they don't even show up. They just sent Sindri, <laughs> which I will say Sindri carries his weight, but you know, shrug. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what? what? So, uh, why did the others don't come? Did Sindri not tell them to come? Is that the assumption? Yeah, I, or were the others just not going to come? I don't know. And maybe there is a way to find out when you go post game into Svartheim. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I haven't found it. Um, there's not a lot of people you can talk to. And none of them said anything of interest to me. But yeah, anyway, that is that is a bit weird, isn't it? I don't know. Get Yeah, I, I don't want to get into Sindri just yet, if that's okay with you. Of course. How about you? How, how about you? It's something you want to talk about before I go off on another tension. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, we, we, we don't need to go start with Sindri, but we're talking about these characters and the relationships. So I think that's that's a good point to start. So like the, the main players we have are, you know, Big bad Odin, uh, their schemer. Then we we have you know Kratos and Atreus. We have the brothers blacksmiths, 
uh, Sindri and Brock. We have Freya. We have Freya's brother. And then we have Tyr. Which is supposed to be we? this great unifier of the realms and such. And so you, you rescue him in the start of the game. And that's the, the general gist of it. And that's what you're... Then you're going to try and build the alliances with the peoples in the various realms. Maybe. Kind of. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it would have been cool. It would have been nice. But yeah. But is there any specific relationship that you would like to talk about? Is that the, well, the specific character? Is that... Well, we... What did you find the most captivating part of the, of uh, of this emotion, emotional psychological smorgasbord that is the story of God of War Ragnarok? <laughs> Which did you find the most captivating? I mean, I Tell think me. it needs to be Kratos and Atreus because it's of course the one that is the most built. I mean, I don't think that Freya's and Freya's is that bad, but or Freya's is that bad, but it's you know it's secondary, th- tertiary even. Uh, the one between Brock and Sindri has, we'll get to that shortly. It has interesting points and things which mm, I don't know. I don't think they stick so much, and you know. I do find the one in in relation to you know Thor, uh, Sif, and the daughter Thrude interesting, uh, but again it's it's m- even more secondary than uh, Freya and Freya. I find the uh, I personally found the relationship I I found Thor the most interesting character I would say. Um, that being said, Asterix, I'll get to that. But I do find the visual storytelling, like I talked a bit about you about this, about how um, Thor shows up and tries not to drink. And then Odin puts this glass in front of him. Like those little nods and like visual storytelling is, uh, I -hmm. think it's good. Yeah. Um, A lot of people really love it and think that's a mark of great quality of storytelling. (laughs) I disagree with that. Um, Because, you know, it's this, it's this, I don't want to be dismissive, but it's this like, a thing that would get a lot of Reddit upvotes, so to speak. Um, it's like, look, look at this little detail that I've uh, pointed out. And like, I think it, there's a lot of those details where I think it would have been more profitable about like dedicating some actual conversation to that instead of just having those little details in game. Mm-hmm. So I've been following some of the creators, their interviews. And one of the details that I, that I do dislike uh, in this game is that apparently... So you find out that Tyr, that you have been recruiting, is actually Odin um, in this game. And o- Odin has been pulling a trick on you. Like, he's been controlling you. Because that's what he do. Uh, that's fine, I guess. Um, I've thought about that, but whatever. And <laughs> apparently, according to the game director, you could see the difference between Tyr and Odin Tyr by that Odin Tyr did not have a accent queue, like the little stripe on the Y of Tyr's name. It's just T Y R. An actual Tyr has a little stripe on the Y. <laughs> How is that like? Th- c- come on. That's, but, but that's, that's so stupid. That's subtitling. That's just stupid. Yeah, right. So what if I played the game with subtitles off? Like them Or what? in a different it's, language. It's, and he. No, no. I don't want to say names. Sorry. Um. And I felt like the way they reveled in that, because once again, you can do that and be like, oh, just by the way, a fun little detail. But it, and, uh, it didn't help that I saw an interview on a very sick, authentic type show for PlayStation. I won't name it. Don't worry. It's uh, yeah, anyway, no, let's not get into that. But the way it was like, 
it was addressed by the people who were interviewing him. It was like, oh my god, whoa, that's like that's so that's so clever or whatever. I was like, no, it's not. It's it just isn't. It's stupid. Um, it would have been fun once again if they just treated it as this fun little detail. It would have been fine, <laughs> but we haven't met actual tier, and up to the point. So how am I to know that that tier nameplate is? Ugh, anyway, it's fine. It, it, it is just a problem that they presented it as if like, oh, there's a way to figure it out that Odin is tier, and like, ah, uh, shut up. I'm not saying there is no way to figure that out, but that way would have been stupid. Yeah, and it, it's just so. And apparently, like, there's a dwarf that spits on you from a bridge when you enter Svartelheim. And uh, that, that dwarf is Odin. Yep. Um, don't have much to say about that type of storytelling. I think it's shit. Luckily, the game does do a lot of other amazing storytelling that I think is quite good. Oh, yeah. We get to see a more emotional side of Kratos. Kratos finally... His, the, the heart that is of Kratos is finally falling, I would say. Yes. Yes, he, finally. <laughs> He is allowed to be a person again. And I do think, like, despite Thor trying to be a good father, even though, once again, I like that relationship. I like this relationship with Odin. Not, not that I think it's a good relationship, but I found it captivating. They're <laughs> acting and they're, they're dynamic, dynamic. But, like, you know, Odin going, uh, like, you don't think you fight and stuff like that. And, like, Odin trying to keep him a drunk and not a good father because that's not profitable to him. Yeah. Odin doesn't even see his sons as an extension of himself because when his sons die, Bal- uh, well, Balder, it's not because Balder is his son, it's because he's useful. So he doesn't even have like this psychotic, um, like what I found very captivating, gonna be very jarring or weird <laughs> side jump here, but what I found very capt- captivating about the character of Cersei in Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire is that she does love her children, but she does love her children as an extension of herself. Yes. And she loves the last the Lannister family, but she loves the Lannister family as an extension of herself because she is a Lannister, and that's not Odin doesn't even have that much going for him because he doesn't care about his sons. He only cares about them as hyper specific tools specked out in a very specific talented way. Well, anyway, that's not here nor there. But I don't like where the story ends between Thor and Odin. I'm gonna have a hot take about this actually. <laughs> I think that the next protagonist of the next God of War game should be Thor. I think they should, like, make Thor be alive because Thor disappears. Yeah. So maybe he's teleported somewhere else in some kind of prison where we also find Tyr at the end of the game. (laughs) And it's... Maybe he'll be, like, crippled or something and he would make a very captivating protagonist, I think, personally. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I think that would have been very interesting. Instead of just killing Thor, the most powerful god, in one stroke, it's it's stupid. It's a such a stupid end. I'm so sorry. It it was so jarring to me. Like it's this, like you don't think uh, you fight. Uh, I think you fight. Odin says, "J.K. Lol, I also fight. I can kill you in one one spear stroke." Um, what's the name of Odin's spear? Do you know? Oh God, you knew. You mentioned it quite a lot of times, but I forgot now. Uh huh. Uh huh. Glaupnir. Of course. I th- no, Hungnir. Glaupnir is the uh, ribbon that's a- around um, Fenrir's neck to chain him to uh, to chain him down. Oh, okay. Um, Hungnir is the spear of Odin, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Mm, okay. Um, fuck me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> that's uh, that's the spear name of Odin. Uh, he doesn't get a name. 
doesn't doesn't this his spear doesn't get a name, but he does use a spear in his combat. Yeah, uh, in his in his fight stuff that I thought was kind of cool. Big big game for spears in general. Draupnir <laughs> has become a spear. That's cool. Yeah, I do think it's cool to give uh, Kratos a sword and a spear, like the the classic weapons of Spartans. Yeah, <laughs> um, I talked to I talked about this about to you, and I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to no, do of this course, now. By all means, um, I think it's so stupid that they refer to Kratos as Spartan. Still, it's so irrelevant. It's such a small part of his character. So, once again, the man is a god. He, the fact that he's a Spartan <laughs> is is like so much not in cohesion with 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 his godhood. He doesn't fight like Spartan. He is like a, one could argue that he has a Spartan mentality still, but I don't know. Sure, he does. I guess shrug. Um, I wonder how much that means. Like, would he have left Atreus in like some mountain village if he if if it was a deformity? Like once again, Atreus is sick. So was there ever a moment where Kratos thought to abandon him? I think they would have killed him. Right, but so he doesn't have a Spartan character anymore. And but he I don't. Resents... I don't think he would have. If I, if I... no, but but he he has made distance with his Spartan identity. Yes, exactly. And with the Spartan culture, so if people to for him to still talk about his Spartanhood, so to speak, and for Freya to be like, oh, is that how a Spartan fights? Like it's it's he's a god. It, <laughs> come on, it doesn't matter that he's a Spartan. Yeah, that's just some cheeky it, stuff. They, for... Well, it's not cheeky. I feel like it's 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 because. But certainly within American culture, for, for some fucking reason, Sparta is this fetishized historical element, like this this thing that just doesn't make. I don't know. It, once again, they love the movie Three Hundred over there. It's it's such a bad movie as well. We need to do an episode on that. Um, <laughs> it's it's like it's ugh. anyway. M- moving on from that, I don't understand that. I do very. I don't want to be glib for two seconds and tag into another thing. That you and I talked about that we that we found out together to our fulfillment, yes, um, which is that Kratos is yes that is that Kratos' lifespan doesn't ma- doesn't make any sense. Do, how about you take that one? It, you so the West. Uh, we knew Kratos was there for a while. We we don't know how much. Uh, we had made a couple of estimations, but um, so Kratos was alive during the Iliad, yes. the Trojan War. Which was a thing, and but not only that, he was also alive by the time to have known the poem, the Iliad, and the Odyssey, presumably. Uh, so that spans his—I don't know—if human slash servitude to Ares in the thousands. Well, so here's the thing: he went through Spartan upbringing, and. The Sparta that fought in the Trojan Wars is not the same Sparta as that he describes growing up in. So, like you know, like the horrible trials that young Spartans need to undergo. Yeah, that 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 type of Sparta was not yet a thing when in the Bronze Age. Sparta in the Bronze Age was just another Greek kingdom or city state, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So it's. Like, that type of Sparta was, like, presumably, once again, we have, like, scanned sources on this, but only came, like, I don't know, it was, like, 700, year 700 or something, maybe a bit later, probably a bit later, and uh, the Bronze Age was before that, so, I don't know. Once again, this doesn't matter, really, but it was just, like, a really odd 
elements to like have him talk about. Like he was there for all Greek history, but then he also talks about like the Battle of Timopliae, which is unlike the Iliad events, actual history. So, yeah, I, <clears throat> actual history is a thing apparently. I I don't know. It's weird. Well, uh, apparently the, the 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 Trojan War or Troy existed, and then it ceased to exist, historically speaking. Um, well, yeah, so there was a city called Troy, but like the events of the Iliad are obviously fake. Yeah, of like, course. You know. But but, but the, what, so what we him must, talk about uh, that is the, fine. The point is that whatever the whatever we call Trojan War happened a fairly lengthy amount of time before the actual. I'm not going to say penny. I'm going to say collection that was the Iliad, the poem. Yeah. yeah that, that's quite a lot of time Yeah, in between but then what, he... uh, how, for how long Kratos had been there. Mm-hmm. And then he still was a Spartan soldier during the Peloponnesian War. Uh, or no, the, the First Persian War with like the, the Gates of Thermopylae. So that's centuries later. So... <laughs> I don't know because because once again he said he wasn't there, but he he does know of it. So that was before he started killing gods. So this was all before the first game events. Something. I, I mean, I, I think so. Here's the thing: like we don't know the exact extent to Kratos' servitude to Ares, because the the main plot of God of War. A brief recap by now. <laughs> if you don't, if you're still interested and listen this far and don't know anything else about God of War. Uh, Kratos was a Spartan soldier, general, uh, was favored and gui- guided and pa- empowered by Ares, god of war, former god of war. Um, and in that led Kratos berserk to the point of killing his own family. Um, nice. And um, Kratos, even more enraged, turned against Ares, found enough power, well, uh, unlocked Pandora's box and in it found the power to kill Ares, becoming the new god of war. Uh, however, uh, Kratos was very involved in the affairs of mortals, continued to pursue wars in favor of Sparta, uh, the other gods get angry, and uh, they don't like Kratos very much. Uh, Zeus depowers Kratos, Kratos goes mad, tries to kill Zeus, kills Athena, which was maybe helping, most effectively manipulating him the entire time, uh, from the first game and continues to do so uh, even after she dies, which is interesting. And and uh, Kratos kills Athena uh, accidentally. And then the third game, uh, Kratos pairs up with the Titans because there's no one else left um, to, to stand bes- beside him and kills the rest of the Greek pantheon, the remaining Titans, and then finally Zeus. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think that, that once again, it's fine. It's just a very minor note. Doesn't have anything. To we do found with, it deeply but... amusing how long-lived Kratos has been because it's ranging around, yeah. along the thousands, certainly. And yeah, so there are a bunch of things that just doesn't make sense then. But it's it's fine. It's <laughs> not. It's not really a thing. It's all funny we, we dialogue. It's not serious. But but yeah, apparently yeah. Kratos was alive during the Trojan War, and then also alive during the Persian War, and then also alive. But not killing the gods yet. So once again, well, yeah, I think we have really... to assume that he, since those events are really widespread apart, he was um, in servitude to Ares, which gave him foe immortality, maybe. 
Yeah, but then why does does his family live for that long? <laughs> never mind. It's fine. Never mind. You know, Let's you make a it. compelling. Well, we make a compelling point. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because once again, they are mortal. So why did they live for that long? Like once again, his child is then like quarter god or whatever. I don't know. Let's not do blood science. I don't care for that. But his his wife is human, I think. Yeah, and um, his daughter never grows past as I don't know twelve or thirteen. So he doesn't continue his. Uh, servitude to Ares after he finds out it kills his family. So, I don't know. <laughs> so, this long period is like, I don't know. Is Kratos um, just very long lived? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's um, uh, also centuries to make Sparta the greatest kingdom on earth, and he doesn't. So, I don't know. <laughs> T- tells you something about where militaris- militarism gets you. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's uh, it's all a bit. It's it's is it is uh, nah, it's fine. It's fine. Let's not worry about it. <laughs> so to get back to like the actual game, um, I kind of want to get. Ah, <sighs> okay. Do you still want to talk about the crater real quick? Is that something you? Really I want? don't care. <laughs> Excess. We've spoken enough about the mechanics. Um, so I think it's. Um, I wanted to ask, what else do you want to talk about, or so we at least, you know, have a sense of. Uh, well, we need to talk about how prophecy uh, is is woven into oh, the yeah, story. Oh yeah, good call. As a, and I would like to talk a bit about actual Ragnarok versus the game games version of Ragnarok. Okay. And yeah, I can kind of use that as a jumping off point for everything else I want to talk about. Okay, perfect. So, how do we feel? How do you feel? prophecy in video games so uh, I, I don't know how i feel about it in video games generally i don't think it's an interesting narrative device frankly um i like it <laughs> in greek myth because it's it's not an issue or in myth generally because prophecy in myth is not an issue or in stories like that it's not an issue because you know you know it will come to pass and sometimes that's all you need from prophecy you need prophecy to come to pass in a video game like this, it's a bit more complicated to deal with because, you know, do you have action or is it all just prophecy? Don't know. Um, and even for the characters, like, do they have action? Like, because usually characters either don't know about prophecy, don't believe it, and try to do everything to oppose it and don't really believe it. These characters have seen, have lived, and believe in prophecy, but they don't want to follow prophecy. So what happens then? And I, I do believe that this game is the best game or one of the best uh, stories to handle prophecy uh, because, mm. yeah, contentions, I know. Uh, but <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> no, it's fine. Because I, I do believe that the, effectively what the way Kratos tries to formulate it and tries to adhere to is do it because it's necessary, not because it's written. So... Yeah, they do a lot of stuff, but not because they're, oh, I must do it. Uh, it's no, like, I need to solve this and deal with this. So how am I going to react to this? How, how can I do uh, right by this or that? And that means a lot of different things. And that means both uh, general, I don't know, uh, killing a god or provoking the end of the world or the end of a world. Asgard in this case. So what I think is significant is that yeah, these characters are conflicted and they are hurt by prophecy, or at least Kratos is. 
Atreus, Atreus. Does, is mostly trying to follow and trying to build, understand the prophecy, which, as we all know, uh, a doomed I mean, path. He tries to prevent prophecy. He doesn't go along with it. Does he? He discovers that he, well, he discovers that his father dies in the murals <laughs> that Angreboda um, presents him, and he's like, "No, I have to prevent that. I have to find a way to prevent that," which is what makes him go along with Odin. Yeah, makes him make stupid so, decisions. But he wants to prevent his father's death that is prophesized. True. So he does have an antagonistic relationship with prophecy. Yeah, that, yeah, true. He he is the one with the most ambivalent one because Kratos rejects prophecy as something. Like, sure, it may have happened, but no, we, we, no. And I, I mean, it's Kratos. He's laconic about it, mostly. Um, <laughs> and when Atreus is like, no, but I, but I want to, I want to be Loki. I want to find out what it is to be Loki. And, but no, I can't let my father die. Um, and I, I mean, narratively, I think it's all fairly convincing, but, um, <laughs> Is is there like a mythical reason why the prophecy doesn't happen? Was the prophecy just written wrong, um, or or pictured wrong? I don't know. I uh, well, I found it deeply satisfying when I played it, at least. Uh, I found it. I agree with you up to the very last point. Um, in the game, not with not with your points, but in the game, um, the we we even like visit the Norns, the uh, the the, the fortune tellers. Yeah. The weavers of destiny and so forth and so on. There are always three women talking about destiny in every mythology, I suppose. And um, it's uh, it's like that was like a whole thing, and then like they are defied because, and they say, and even they admit, like, no, we don't tell the future. You guys are just so fucking uh, like obvious and like yeah, like you know, you you clearly uh, we can just tell your intentions, and you're so fucking predictable. Like, come on. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Because once again, I'm I am always struggling to understand how much determinism is a thing in video games. When a thing like prophecy, quite a deterministic tra- tradition, yeah. is like, you know, is at play there. And it is always in like Greek, certain Greek mythology, I would say, is that in spite of like people learning the prophecy is what makes it come about. So... Yeah. This is this like bootstrap paradox of time travel, so to speak. It is this, <laughs> but a prophecy. You know. But yeah, well, yeah, but that's kind of how this is. This is this old tradition about how prophecy, if you just don't learn it, it doesn't come about. So there's no inherent power to prophecy. It just makes your actions so predictable that it makes it come true, and that is kind of echoed once again up to a point, not identically, but en- enough. It's echoed enough by uh, the Norns uh, to like you know say like hey you guys are just very predictable there's no prophecy actually but then uh, at the end of the game there is jk lol there is prophecy and it's 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 Feia like painting her own mural where kratos does the things that he does so prophecy true still kind of question mark <laughs> that was just prophecy once again, it's a, well here's the thing it sacrifices in-game definitions of things like prophecy and like other elements that are forces at play for emotional gratification. Mm. And that's a choice you can make. And I do think emotional reconciliation or gratification is fine and important. Because once again, him realizing his wife had such faith in him and to paint a mural and like, you know, 
stuff. Um, that's 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 a great scene. It is just then too bad that I still have this idea of prophecy and how prophecy works in my head. That just so how does that work? Does everyone who can paint a fucking mural have the <laughs> ability to prophesize? I don't know. Um, I think that's a bit weird, <laughs> and summons too many questions for me personally. I don't want to be that guy. I hate being that guy, but it is because I'm only being that guy because the game spends a lot of time on it themselves, on this yeah, idea of, of prophecy, of defying prophecy, how to deal with prophecy, and how, therefore, in the face of prophecy, still be a good person. And I don't know. I, I do think that was a bit unfortunate and not handled perfectly well. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it tries to do too many things at the same time. I think it could have been very interesting if they just, once again, since they're so hellbound on making Odin the big, big bad evil, there should have been some side story about, oh, the murals were given to us by this kind old man that, that went around cloaked with the staff. And like, <laughs> like, oh, fuck, that's Odin. And like Odin has been feeding the Jotun, the Jotun, the, the giants, the, uh, you know, like Angrabode and, Freya, and Fea's people, Fae's people, sorry, fuck. <laughs> Angrabode and Fae's people, uh, the Jotun, um, they have been at odds with Odin because they didn't want to listen to Odin. They didn't want to get subjugated by Odin. And it would have been a very in-mythology and in-video game universe logical step if Odin, like, dressed up as, like, a kind old traveler and, like, showed them, like, some kind of trick by baiting murals you can, like, prevent your own destiny or whatever. And it was that would have then been revealed this game that that's all bullshit. And, like, I don't know. Like, it's... <laughs> He could have revealed that to like Loki or like Atreus, and like that could have been a whole thing. Um, that would have been totally within character and would have been a good plot element, I think. Mm-hmm. And but it, that's not the case. Um, the question of how murals work is just yeah, no, that's left. That's a whole lot. And we know question. they have magical power because you you pass through a mural. Yeah, we know they are imbued with Jotun magic or whatever because Atreus goes through a mural and has this mystical fever dream sort of kind of I don't know there's this whole sequence dedicated to it that shows that multiple murals yes well it shows that murals are a thing and then it's like the mural tells you go talk to Big Snake and Big Snake says go to Ironwood peace (laughs) refuses to elaborate fucks off (laughs) yeah I'm gonna go back (laughs) and just wait until I get to fight fucking Thor I wanna fight Thor so bad it's um all right. There are multiple prophecies at play in this game. There's the prophecy of Kratos, but there's the large prophecy that we all know that the game is named after, called Ragnarok. And I am fine with Ragnarok not being true one for one of like actual, you know, uh, Norse mythology. Um, you want to jump off into that point? Yeah, if that's okay with you. Hmm. Um. I I think. Especially because they set up so much time in setting up Fenrir. So Fenrir bites Odin to death in uh, the Norse mythology. And I... I, It's not that I am set on having Odin (laughs) be killed by Fenrir per se, but I was kind of expecting for Fenrir to show up. Yeah, he could have. It would have been cool for him to show up during Ragnarok. Another thing I was looking forward to... I mean... In a more in a more fundamental way, yeah, of I would course. say, and ah, <laughs> uh, and okay. So then there's the fight between. I kind of have to. I kind of have to go through this faster than I would have hoped, but it's fine. I'm sorry. So then there's the fight between. No, it's fine. Otherwise, it gets too long, you know. 
Um, um, there's the fight between Odin and Danger Noodle. Uh, sorry. There's the fight between Odin and Jormungandr. <laughs> and the, which is, we can only see like from very far away. And that's like one of my favorite parts of Ragnarok. Like them killing each other. So yeah. Um, not really. Because, you know, he slaps him so hard he goes back into time. But Thor dies from Jormungandr. Um, and, and it's poison, I believe, or something. Yeah, it's, it's the poison, and, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, we just see Thor slap him into... And I'm fine with them not dying um, at each other's hands, because that would have been an anticlimax. Yeah. But I I would have loved to see more of that fight. I know. I, would have, I like that part a lot. And I just, I just like Norman Gunther, by the way. Favorite character throughout both games. I just love him. It's, he's, he's great. Uh, it's <laughs> the only one that can resist uh, Leviathan's axe pool, by the way. Hmm. He holds the axe in the first game after Kratos tosses it in uh, in the water in the first game. And he holds it between his teeth. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. So that's that's an implication. Mjolnir couldn't. Or, like, Mjolnir is equal to uh, the Leviathan axe and thus create that lightning, frozen lightning thing in the, in the beginning of the game. Yeah. But anyway, doesn't matter. This all this is all minute details that are not important. <laughs> so yeah, Ragnarok kind of just happens, and I get it, but it it just doesn't feel like the, to me. And this is personal preference, I admit. But is it the way they build up to Ragnarok? Kind of felt like uh, could have been better. Could have been. It, it just feels like they were just like messing around, sort of, kind of. Like, oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's not going to happen. And then it it happens and it goes fast. It, it's just... Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's really speedy um, sequence. Yes. When that could have been... We could have spent more time there. Less crater, more Ragnarok. Would have been moi, chef's kiss. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's just it's just also this quick battle um, that just kind of happens and we're done. And it's like, oh, Okay. I would have loved to spend more time with Suter, the fire giant. Same. He, he seems a very captivating and interesting character. We get one conversation with him. I wish we could have spent more time with her. Um, uh, less Muspelheim uh, trials, more Suter. Uh, oh, <laughs> always. Would have, been, would have been great. Would have been cool. And yeah, I... So Thor is like the strongest a god in like you know, in Norse mythology by a landslide. There's no, there's no real question. Yeah. As to his, that's just his character. Um, but Odin is like smart and like may, might be like ways to circumvent it. The fact that Odin can just kind of stab him to death within one s- s- uh, stroke of a spear <laughs> is a bit silly. I think that's that's. No, I agree. Not, I agree entirely. I think that's a bit that's a bit stupid. After Kratos like winning, sort of kind of against Thor he doesn't really because Thor is ready to go again I don't I'm not really interested in the debate on who's stronger Kratos or Thor I think that's a bit silly I think that's also not the point of the game um, to like think about no that. I think they'd kill each other that's that's the point yeah I, okay yes I agree actually and it is then a bit silly that Thor who had his hands full with Kratos second time around it is the first the first fight is a good opener I would say but a bit but a bit disheartening, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's 
but then, you know, Thor has his hands full, the stronger one, has his hands full with Kratos, and then Odin can withstand Kratos, Atreus, and Freya at the same time for longer than Thor. So <laughs> that was a bit weird. Once again, I don't want to be that guy, but that kind of feels, felt kind of weird. Because it's like, once again, he it says, uh, I think you fight. But then it's like, JK, lol, I also fight. Actually, I'm really well, actually. I can, I'm actually pretty strong. Kind of a big deal, actually. I can just fight for my life really well. I didn't need you at all, by the way. I am too lazy to fight. That's actually the real reason why you're around. <laughs> and that's why I put so much effort into like keeping you under my thumb. Because you were, uh, because I'm just lazy and I don't want to fight myself. It's just, I don't know. It, it feels like a reduction of Thor's usefulness yeah. and why Thor was so important to manipulate and control. And the layers of his control of Odin are worked out really well in both games, I think. Yeah. Like, it's this manipulation, then subjugation. And if that doesn't work, like, I'll kill you. Um, so, like, I don't know. And this subjugation can be in different ways. Like, for once again, in for Thor, it's emotional destruction. And for Mimir, it was like cap- captivity and so forth and so on. And there there are these patterns of like, first Odin trying to manipulate his servants into doing what he wants. And like, you know, this, 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 this sense of I have to control everything is woven into every action that Odin does, yeah. which I think is quite good. I think it's quite energetically written. Is that very interesting? Uh, I would have liked to see a little bit more, a <laughs> little bit, little bit, I don't know, something else than just controlling. No, I agree. But it, there is, there is, I guess, a good argument to make for just making him a control freak. And we learn why he's this control freak. It's because he has an existential crisis because of a mask? I don't know. Apparently. Is that, was that really... Yeah, he has an existential I, I, crisis. I thought that was a necessary extra plot line to the end of the game. Yeah, it didn't fit in there. It felt weird. Um, then Thor gets to like a good place before this Ragnarok happens because Atreus goes to Asgard real quick and like you know uh, there's this manipulation game of manipulating Atreus going on by Thor uh, sorry by Odin in order to like get at Kratos and stuff and like because Atreus can learn languages apparently very easily and he wants to learn this primordial language this language that he heard after killing Ymir the uh, giant in which he, uh, which he tore apart and made the world out of. Yep. And um, this all happened, like, you know, in primordial times. And he heard, uh, you hear Odin talk about him hearing this primordial language and not understanding it. And it's essentially just that. And that makes him go down this path of severe existential crisis because, oh, uh, people go, normal people go here, mortals go here once they die. Where do we go? And that's an interesting question to ask, I suppose. Shrug. It makes the divine human. And that can work. Yeah, um, sure. I'm not against that. But at the same time, it's that question is so interwoven with mortality that it doesn't really make it a captivating humanization. Or it doesn't make it a really captivating addition to divine beings i would say i mean we can agree that uh or we can argue that he was just manipulating atreus to give him a reason to you know access all knowledge in existence i mean no but he wants that himself and he gives this reason like he gives this whole speech to atreus about like 
oh, I heard the secret language. Oh, I want to know what's in this rift. This rift that is just chilling not, besides his office, by the way. Yeah. Which is maybe not the most safest place for a, a multidimensional rift to, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to be at. But okay, sure. Yeah, I, I don't think he... I think I, I can argue for myself that his justification was bullshit or the one he gives to Atreus. And it really was always about power and control. But uh, I don't like that plot. Well, it's power control. And he he imagines this power and control through infinite knowledge. Because, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah. And so forth. No, I, I, I mean, Which I is... don't like the, the mask stuff. Yeah, the the way that is then visualized and materialized into this storyline is not great, I would say. Yeah. It's a bit silly. Also really comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, something I want to talk about real quick. The two more people that I want to talk about, mm-hmm. that will be kind of it for me. Uh, that's Heimdall and, S- and Sindri. Of course. Which one do you want first? Uh, Heimdall. I, okay. <laughs> so, Heimdall in this game. So I like Heimdall a lot in North Mythology. I think he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like him. And so I'm going to... I'm, I'm not going to lie. This conceptualization of Heimdall was never going to be it for me. Fair um, enough. But it's fine. But then the a character of Heimdall is kind of reduced as a narrative jumping point for you know Kratos and Atreus both. And I was like, okay, sure. Hmm. Do you want to say how um, you characterized him? <laughs> Sure. Um, Heimdall wants to be an anime villain so bad. He like he's just yeah. It, he's just constantly dismissive and like you know, and and like even like talks. He talks in a certain way. I think the, his writing, his dialogue is a bit jarring and not written very well. I think there was an over. Uh, the, the main focus was that between Kratos and Atreus and Atreus and Odin. Yeah. I think that's where the writing shines the most. Dialogue writing that is. I don't think. Uh, Heimdall's dialogue writing is it's just lazy. I think it's it's comically evil. Yeah, it's it's just like oh, we need you to dislike this guy, and I feel them. I feel like, to me, it makes me feel like the writers think I'm a child that's like it's going to be mad because a character says some bad stuff, <laughs> and then there's the very small unfortunate element that uh, he calls Atreus a half breed. Which then implies there's race science in this narrative. Oh boy! Why? Why? No, but right? It's just why Odin. Is, sorry, uh, Thor is also a half breed. Do you say that to him? Is there what conceptualization is half breed uh, in 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 this universe? Yeah, because you can't exactly. just say that. That's a bit weird um, to just toss it out as an insult. It doesn't make any sense because so many people are so many different things. It, ha, ha, is there is there within Asgard then a conceptualization of racial purity? I hope not. I don't think that was a worthwhile addition to this game. Once again, it's not really an addition to this game. It's just a throwaway insult. But that throwaway insult is jarring. It's it's it creates problems. I would say it carries a lot of baggage. Yes, and I don't know. Um, I do then think there's there's something to say for the character as Heimdall. Namely, that it is interesting to give a man that can see the uh, imminent, and because he can see the imminent, he does not have any conceptualization of the uh, future, or doesn't have is not able to create long term planning. Because why would he? He can see anything that's coming, and he can just like kind of act in a moment. And he can, it can essentially is guaranteed that he can get the optimal solution in every single moment. Yeah. 
that's not how it then works because once again he he uh he he, he disappoints Odin his dad question mark in actual mythology uh Heimdall is the uh son of Odin mm. that's not how it goes here yeah I don't Just think it's like so. how Tyr is the son of uh Frigg which Frigg in this game in this game's universe is Freya and Tyr is not the son of Freya I think <laughs> so uh because then then her reaction to Baldur <laughs> would have been you know uh it would have been similar to that of of Tyr and Baldur is clearly like the only son of Freya I think in this game yeah I think so um so once again, I I I like I think Tyr is oh, sorry, I think Heimdall is like a fun character in mythology. I don't think he is he's executed within the makings of his character that the game cho- chooses to make. He's executed decently, as in it because of his imminent future gifts and stuff. He is drawn to Odin's grand master plan type thinking because then he doesn't have to do that himself or whatever. I don't know. It makes it makes sense, I guess, and he's done a good guy to give Yellowhorn to, and so forth and so on. And I don't know, I I do think there's some a lot of missed potential there because it's just for a lot of people it worked. A lot of people really wanted to kill him, and I was just like, I just find you annoying. I don't want to kill you necessarily. You're very you're such an uninteresting character. <laughs> Sorry, it's, he just is. And I like uh, their conceptualization of Gultrapper, the uh, <laughs> the horse with gold hair. That's what it means. Right. Kinda. Right. Um, only it's like a lion with Minotaur horns in this game. It's the thing that he writes, by the way. Okay. That's Goldthorpe. You kill a few. Um, yeah, you kill a few, but there's only one that's written by uh, written by uh, Heimdall. Yeah. And you kill that one too. Of course. And uh, I think that that animal looks cool. Um. <laughs> yeah. That's that's all I have to say about Heimdall. I don't know if you have anything. No, no. I like pretty put- much. Uh... Uh, Does he have gold teeth? I don't. Have... I don't think so. He, I believe he has gold teeth. When you like choke him out, you kind of see his teeth, which were already goldish. <laughs> um, that's not here nor there. But okay, yeah. So Sindri, huh? How do we? <laughs> yeah. We, so uh... Uh, can I start with that one? Yeah, go ahead. So the the thing, so Sindri's arc is that you know he's comic relief, one of the dwarven brothers, uh, dwarven smith brothers. In the first game. Yeah. And, you know, he's a bit of comic relief, a germaphobe in the first game. And in this one, he's become a close friend to Atreus and stuff and been helping him in, like, escapades that Kratos doesn't know of. He, he has, gets a bit more, a, a lot more character development and such and, like, the relationship with his brother and uh, the fact that, you know, his brother had died and uh, he went to the Lake of Souls to res- bring back his soul. But he couldn't get all the pieces, so his soul was incomplete. Which, d- wh- what does it really mean? Yeah, I don't know. Um, not no, no. But uh, he can be seen by mermaids. That 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 is something. Um, and um, that's the thing that happened. Yeah, that's that that's what we do know, and that's possibly one of the reasons because he was in the Lake of Souls. That's why he became a germaphobe because it was really really weird being surrounded by souls, um, which I actually found quite interesting as a you know sort of sensor sensory trauma but then uh, what happens is you know when when you find out that well the way you find out that Tyr is actually odin in disguise brock uh his much more coarse and ruder brother uh which is still really witty and brilliant and great and really friendly uh he's like 
getting suspicious of things that uh, fake Tyr is saying because he's calling Atreus Loki and then and gives him a magical solution, whatever, at the end. And it's like, wait, why are you... And then, you know, Tyr Odin goes berserk and kills him. And then just kind of vanishes. And yeah, that's a, that's a thing that happens. And the, the thing is... Uh, Sindri goes berserk, like just berserk, and go, goes mad at every, any, everyone, isolates himself, and, you know, he, he says something, which is like, th- that's your own fault if you think like, think it like that, mate. Uh, he says, like, oh, you've, you've been taking everything. You've taken my treasures, I've given you, you've taken my home, you've, t- you've even taken my brother, and that's all you take, and whatever, and... You've even taken my family. That, that's kind of thing. And, you know, the Treyas and Kratos are pretty hard because, uh, you know, they, they do feel like they kind of took advantage of Sindri a bit and maybe they did. But also, it's like, if you do feel that, if Sindri does feel that's like, oh, they they really did take everything, then it's like, then w- were you in all those things? Do you not have anything of yourself? Um, that if, I mean, like, that's not to, to victim blame, but like, if he's really throwing accusations, then it's like, then where's you, Sindri? Do you not do you not exist besides those things or those people? Are you not yourself, yeah. or are you just a vessel? Then, are you tired? Yeah, of being it's that? it's also worth pointing out that everything he has given was his idea and has been presented by him. Like, look, here's a ring, here's this thing, here's this, so forth and so on. Yeah, I mean, Kratos and... did not never took anything by force from him. And barely yeah. asked him for something. He asked for help, and he always gave him. And you know, if uh, yeah. I, I, I thought about this, uh, Derrida's notion of the gift and the gift is something that is indeed truly gifted that does not expect and will not have any type of return or something, but that is indeed truly freely given. Then you know, then the, you weren't really gifting, were you, Sindri, or were you being interested? Is that what 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 what, what are you getting at? Yeah, and it's okay. So one of the themes of this game is revenge, I think. Yeah, and like it, every, we have everyone letting go of revenge, and Kratos lets go of revenge, sort of kind of. Atreus lets go of sort of revenge, and uh, Freya lets go of revenge, and then <laughs> Sindri doesn't. Sindri kills Odin, the, the the Odin pebble. He smashes the Odin pebble, and I don't know. I uh, don't know how to feel about that. I think it's weird. That Sindri can kind of kind of just show up that like that, but that's fine. It's just I don't think this whole angry Sindri fits within the previously established parameters of his character. <laughs> yeah, and it, I don't know. It just feels like it, like you said. I believe it was you. It it just feels like it is there to hurt us. Yeah, definitely. Instead of like a very narratively well woven reaction. Because once again, it would have had back more of a punch if it was more allude, alluded to, if it was more, like once again, if it felt like within the primi- uh, previously or um, preemptively established boundaries of this character, and it just doesn't. It it does. I don't know. There could have been a traumatic, a, a traumatic and intense, tremendous reaction to the death of Brock, but the one that we get doesn't fit into the narrative and. I mean, I will add that the violence is okay, but the rejection and the isolation feels definitely extreme. Yeah. Especially for a guy who has already died. 
once unlocked. Yeah. Well, there's there's yeah. the weird bit about it's like, oh, since he was brought back, like he will have no afterlife. His soul was just split apart, and then and that's it, and he's kind of doomed or something, whatever. Like, yeah. he he's got no afterlife. It's like, how do you know? <laughs> Can yeah, you be he wrong? Has, he has profited from Kratos and Andreas's actions. Like once again, they are fighting Odin, and he doesn't like Odin's subjugation of of Svartalheim. so. Once again, he it's not like he was hard done by um, Kratos and Atreus. Kratos and Atreus' actions. So yeah, far. I mean they were doing it in his best interest as well, reuniting him with his brother and all that. But uh, no, all, yeah. all all out the window now. Um, well, they have well once again they have become family themselves. Yeah, and and maybe not in such a direct way, obviously as Brock, but you know they have become you know a team like a group of people like this this found family thing going on. I think and. Then that is sacrificed immediately. Because Sindri's pissed. Yeah, because he's angry or whatever. I don't know. It's, it just feels... It just feels... It's painful, but not in... I don't know. I, I, I guess uh, I'll stand by that. I think it's just really to hurt us and not in a very... Yeah. Because so, I, I, that does not make me feel sympathetic towards Sindri. Quite the opposite. It makes right. me feel antagonistic. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that is the difference. Like, if you just, like was a husk and just sitting there doing nothing in his home or whatever, that would have been, that would have hit me so much harder than whatever we get to see now. And I don't know. I, I, I don't want to call it lazy, but it just kind of feels mean. Like they just needed a way to no, I, Odin I don't to think die it's lazy. permanently. I think it's bad. Because <laughs> I, I think that's what they wanted, but I don't think it's good. Yeah. I do, I will say. It's because we, we have we've been slightly overly critical maybe um of this game or like focus too much on the critical <laughs> aspects of it but i will say what makes this game tremendously meaningful to me is that it believes in the utopian potential of choosing to be better yes and what i mean what i mean with that is that kratos despite the who um despite all his history let's just call it that quite a euphemism yeah um <laughs> But despite all his previous choices, is now at a place where he can either choose to be swallowed up by that again, or choose to be better, and choose to be a father, choose to be a member of a community, and choose to be once again a leader to people. And um, even though I wouldn't ever characterize Kratos as a leader, I do like his more hands-on physical leading away out of dire situations <laughs> true um sometimes quite literally uh referencing the uh the, the part where he just grabs fair and like has this action hero sequence where he runs through uh Vanheim and like you know it's it's this really yeah. odd sequence gameplay wise i kind of like it but it was a bit odd it's fun but weird yeah and i don't know uh it's it's uh yeah, but I don't have a problem with it. I thought it was fun. And I I will say this game came to me then in a moment where I was <laughs> uh, I was very open to the idea of talking about choosing to be better. And having done, like once again, having recently having to ask myself, what kind of person do I want to be? And so forth and so on. Because a couple of things have changed in my, in my life. And I won't get into it right now. But uh, <laughs> it's just like that, that was nice that even like a man as fucked up as Kratos could choose to be better and dedicate himself to that and then 
becomes you know a savior to a bunch of people and when even though my issue with the whole mural thing that he discovers at the end i do like the mural i do like oh yeah leading the bunch of people out of trouble and allowing these people that were previously hurt by odin to persevere to reach you know to to live and see a better day and so forth and so on and i do think that is a very good i don't know i like that i think that's that that is essentially that is the main story arc and i think that story arc is great yeah i think that's amazing yeah that great finally sorry no go ahead sorry him finally being a good father and also besides that like like i said the the thawing of the heart of kratos and allowing himself to believe that he can still be a good person and or at least work on being on becoming one yeah and it's it's this there's the intention of being a good father at the end of the previous game but then there's still realizing you you fucked up and realizing you're bad which is what happens in just 18 game yeah and then this game focuses on the redemption of that because there needs to be some kind of redemption and and this redemption then functions as in how to be better like how do we um put this new profound attitude into play into you know how do we how does this work how does this go about uh manifesting it and i think that's that's good i think that that part of it was uh was a good story for kratos and it's a great uh continuation of just 18 story yeah the the idea that he can have some sort of redemption and mm-hmm. you know be be seen not as a freak as a destroyer as a a, a, a a horrible god of war but can indeed you know be sort of valued worshipped even yeah um once again i would have liked a bit more less outside savior uh more uh in world uh you know elements because he 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 does feels like hey i'm showing up to the north world and i'm going to save you guys like i'm the chosen one yeah. or something. <laughs> it feels that there's a little bit too much of that it, that's not necessarily the paradigm that the game sketches but it is it uh, brushes it, it, it is, with it yeah oh yeah so, so based on like where this leaves off which is with uh atreus and or should i say loki um having his own calling and this, you know, honestly heart-wrenching goodbye between Atreus and Kratos. Yeah. And and uh, where would you like the story to go now? Because oh. I've always said, like, it's not going to be a trilogy because now they have not announced that it's going to be a trilogy. Well, I've been very smug about that. <laughs> and it's like, haha, I was right. There's probably not going to be a trilogy. But um, Honestly, I am fine with it not being a trilogy. I think it could end here. Yeah. Like other than Sindri, the rema- the remainder of it is quite great. And but would you not like to see a Tracer story, or would you? Ah, uh, sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I want another Kratos game. I yeah, no, I don't. I don't I... think. I think Kratos is done. Which is fun, which is too bad because he's such a fun character to play as. Yeah. So, you know, um. But I mean, like I same thing with uh, Geralt. Yeah, yeah, sort of. It's um, a lot of people are interested, and I do think the game is quite heavy-handed with alluring like 
Atreus is going to get a spin-off, like or not spin-off. Oh yeah, but, you know, might be you know the next player protagonist. Uh, they have both hinted at that in the last game with like the mural of Kratos dying, like hey, we're going to switch to Atreus, and then they hinted to that again with Atreus going off on his own with Uncle Boda. Yeah, and um, yeah. I like Uncle Boda, by the way. Sorry, I didn't. We didn't get to talk about Uncle Boda. Uh, He's sorry. Fun. Um, I like the cow. Forgot her name. The yak. Oh yeah. The great character. Uh, not as good as Jormungandr, but I, I, it's, it's she's up there. I like the cow a lot. She, she I, that's my, that's my hot take. Um, the next game should be the cow. Good. Just, just, yeah. She gets to rebuild Jotunheim. That's. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 my that's my official opinion. There we go. So uh, yeah, if there's nothing else you want to say, because uh, so yeah, yeah, no, I I uh, yeah I I uh, I think yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the time. I'm just gonna end it here. Uh, We've spoken <laughs> a lot. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. Yeah, I'm thank sorry you so if we didn't get to talk. Didn't get to talk about like the stuff that you might wanna. Uh, I hope we would talk about. We talked about enough, I think, and then all that we talked about, it was not even in the, all the detail that I wanted. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, kind of had to pick and choose there. And uh, yeah, I hope it was satisfactory to at least listen to a little bit. I might write more about this game. I Do, know write it, write it. Because, uh, because there's a long list of things I already want to write about. I just want to be so, encouraging. Thank you. I appreciate it always. But yeah, um, I there are some couple of things that so if if you feel that I left something out, keep an eye on our Patreon, where we might upload your writings. And yeah, stuff. for sure stuff. Um, support us if you can, only if you can. Please, no, no <laughs> yeah, no, no, no hurries. Yeah, but th- thank you so so much for listening, everyone. Like it's it's always fun, and we hope you enjoy it as well as much as we enjoy making it. Yes. And we will see you next on the left page, question mark. Yes, yes, Ah, yes, yes. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, Take care, everyone. Take care. See you soon.